0: Oh, Danica? God. When I first heard Danica, I wanted to punch myself in the face because you're looking at her, she comes running up, you're like, that's kind of a cool-looking character, and all of a sudden,
1: you're like, what is that?
2: (laughs)
0: fine listeners of the Relics of War podcast, the podcast about Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. This is episode number two, and my name is Ryan Singleton. I'll be your host.
3: And I'm Astara Birchall. Uh, you know me as Lady Sanaa.
0: And I'm Trevor Covington. And I have absolutely no idea how to segue into the beginning of this. That was like a real strong intro, and then I was like, <laughs> I
3: don't
0: know what to say next. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a pretty good segue. Have a really strong intro, and then just
1: kind of like make fun of the segue, and that's enough of a segue.
0: Yeah, you know, the flummox Segway. That's pretty cool. We've also said Segway a number of times just now. We're Segwaying.
3: Okay, <laughs> I thought, I thought Segways were really, really stupid. I thought they were, like, the gayest-looking thing ever. But <laughs> I, a friend of mine took me to his office, and he's, like, an engineer, right? So they, like, play at work all the time. And, um they had these two segways in their office and he's like you have to try this and i was like oh my god this is gonna be really stupid and then after playing with it for about five minutes i was like this is awesome and i was like zooming around his office it was like 12 at night he had to pick up his laptop or something and we're like playing running around the corridors on these (laughs) segways in this person's office (laughs) so now uh yeah segways are cool
0: i i feel like such an idiot because you're referring to a segue as a noun now and i didn't know there was a noun form of a segue what is it (laughs) It's like uh Google
1: Segway gang. It's, it's like a, I don't know, a thing with two wheels that it's really funny when people crash on.
3: <laughs> it is, it's like this motorized bike. That's it's two wheels and you, uh, they're like, like, like the front of a car, right? And you stand on the axle essentially, but it's weighted in a certain way that, um, all you have to do is kind of just lean and it will adjust your balance and everything. And, uh,
0: Anyway. Ah, so Trevor's posting links now for us. Is that what you're doing? Yep. Man. If you actually follow it, there's some
1: a military force using segues with, like, MP5s.
0: See, now, Trevor, you're awesome. You're like the micro-machine of all micro-machines. Because we're sitting here recording a podcast, and he's pumping out links and stuff. you got to see him playing games. It's insane. It's like, you know, on, like, anime cartoons and stuff, there's that one little kid character who hunches over the keyboard, and he's just... like... How's it going so fast? Well, Trevor is that when he's playing games? Pretty much, I I spaz out. It's fun to watch. I had it next time you come over, we should. I should get a camera set up. I could be like, this is the ultimate gamer right here, and Trevor will be like, yeah, I'm gonna go get a sandwich. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, what happened with you guys this week, other than um, playing around with uh, verbs that are actually nouns, and I didn't know it?
1: Me, I went to a I went to Lagoon. That's why I did this weekend. Uh, I had a blast there. Ended up like hitting my nose because I got way too intense on a slide. (laughs) Um, So I have a big purple bump on it. I could just Uh, see you
0: pumping yourself up at the top of a slide.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I was really pumped because this slide, you go down it and you get like, I don't know. I rode the wave for like 10 feet when I came out of it. But I don't know. That's pretty much the most exciting part of my week. Now, Lagoon, that's like a water water park in Utah, right? It's a theme park and it has like a water park section with a bunch of slides and everything. Good old Utah. How about
0: you, Star?
3: Um, I joined this podcast last week. It was kind of weird because there's these two noobs on it, but it was all right.
0: Oh, I think I heard <laughs> about... Yeah, those guys, they're morons. Yeah, nothing happened for me. I mean, I'm trying to build a fence. That's fun. I'm trying to build my fence so that I have these materials laying outside the house, right? Here comes a dad joke. So I've got these materials laying outside the house, and I want to get the fence built so if anybody... No one can take my fence. You know, take a fence. Ohhh... That was bad dad joke and poorly set up to boot. <sighs> I'm on a roll. That was pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, what be that over there? Or let be sequel scuttlebutt. In today's sequel scuttlebutt we will be talking about the dynamic events that will finally uh, put the nail in the casket for quests, at least as far as Guild Wars 2 is concerned. Thank you! And also we'll be talking about the trait system, A clarification about those quips from last week and uh you know what let's just get into this this big old list so dynamic events what did you guys think
1: I'm actually really excited about it um I played the Warhammer 2 beta or Warhammer online excuse me beta and they had dynamic events in there and it was a lot more interesting than you know go collect 10 of these and go kill 3 of these and then come back and then someone says go collect 10 of these and go collect or kill 3 of these it Kind of built a bigger sense of community because people were constantly working together. That and I mean, if anyone's actually played any MMO for any amount of time, quests get really boring and repetitive. And just because they change the graphic, you know, you're hitting this skill sequence and you're doing this and killing this mob all in the same way.
0: Here's what really bothers me about quests: is in some games they'll send you out to go kill, uh, you know, 18 dragons, okay? And they, Well, okay, they want you to get 18 dragon scales, so you go to kill these dragons, and you kill this entire dragon, one of them, and there's no scale. Wait a second, what was covering that dragon's body then? I don't don't understand that. So you end up killing like 30, 40 dragons to get these 18 scales. That never made sense to me. There's pieces of anatomy that are there, so just let me loot it off, but, you know, even still, quests just all the same are stupid.
3: No, for instance, see... Um, not all boars have tusks, and not all wolves have paws, so you're unable to take them from them.
0: Okay, but a uh, wolf without paws, I mean, he'd be pretty easy to kill. Um, I'd call Maybe him he
3: had a really good doctor and had these uh, prosthetic legs oh. and could use them, and they, they were actually kind of like like robo-legs and just like thwap you all the time, and <laughs> so that's what made uh, this normal, uh, docile wolf into this big, evil, dire wolf.
0: You're looking at your buddy, you're like, why does that wolf have hooves? What's with that?
1: <laughs> What's well, even more disturbing about that is most MMOs would lead you to believe that they have incredibly expansive stomachs and needing anything. I kill like a two-foot <laughs> boar and I get this rifle out of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that doesn't make sense, and how so many animals carry money on them is beyond me. Although, you have to fault Guild Wars a little bit for that one, too. <laughs> Because I I was just playing yesterday, and I looted money off it, and I thought that. I'm like, these animals... Of course, these animals also know schools of magic, like elementalist magic and stuff, so who knows? Just sentient animals across the board.
3: Yeah, they do that when the loot is all random. In um, Lord of the Rings Online, they have a little bit... They're a little bit better with that. Like, the things you get off of animals are like pelts and stuff like that. They're not carrying potions or anything. (laughs) Okay. Um, But is uh, Warhammer the one where they had the public quests...
1: Yeah, it's kind of like an event system kind of like uh Guild Wars 2 is suggesting. It wasn't as dynamic as Guild Wars 2 is making it sound, but it, it's essentially it there'd be like someone announcing blah 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 is going on and a bunch of people would gather in an area. What would happen then is there'd be like an ogre, for example, everybody would fight and kill it and based on how much you contributed, which could be damage or healing or what, you know, whatever you're doing you had a certain chance at loot and different things would drop. But it sounds like it's a little bit more dynamic in Guild Wars. The events seem to impact the real world more as far as towns go. Also, they mentioned karma in there, which was kind of interesting too. It sounds like a different type of currency you can gain from these events.
3: Yeah, I remember hearing a lot about the um, the public quest system in Warhammer when it first came out, and everybody thought it was going to be the greatest thing but then when it was actually implemented it wasn't as good as they liked it to be it was like mm, h- how do you determine exactly how much a person participated and you know deter- use that to determine how much loot you should get like if they like hadn't helped the entire time and then jumped in at the end like do they get the same rewards as someone who was fighting the entire battle you know
0: as Miss Doubtfire would say it was a run by fruiting
1: Pretty much. It, and another problem with that too is, I mean, you look at some classes in uh, Guild Wars, like for example, take Mesmer or like a Ranger with a certain build, what they could bring to the table simply interrupts, which won't show up on a healing table or a damage table or anything like that. So I'm not sure if they're going to distribute loot at the end of it, um, or if it's going to be, uh, if you participated, everybody gets the same amount, but I think it's going to be a lot more promising than Warhammer's was.
0: Yeah, as I think it was Eric Flannum that described it. Is that right? I don't remember. But um it was a blog post on Arena Nets. And it, I, I did a, a copy, pretty much, of the blog post on Relics of War. But what he said to kind of describe what will happen is instead of walking up to a guy and reading a load of text that you're obviously not going to pay attention to, you're going to walk out into the real world. You're going to look on the horizon.
3: Something's going to be attacking or something. And you go, what's that over there? And you run over.
0: Exactly, big smoke just coming out of the city, and this big old dragon is attacking it. You're like, hmm, I think I can go level up if I go over there and help whoop some butt. Yeah, the closest thing I can imagine, like recall
1: to that, is uh, there'd be times in, for example, World of Warcraft, where someone would kite a world dragon into the uh, city, and it'd actually be really fun because everybody'd be like, oh crap, everything's dying, and try and fight it. But to actually have s- sort of events like that popping up will be really interesting. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of promise into it in a fact that leveling might actually be
0: fun in this MMO. And they've also said that they're aware that this sort of a system could lend itself to griefers, but they're being very uh, meticulous about finding out where griefers could come in and really hose everybody else. And they feel that they're at a pretty good point where they've eliminated most of those possibilities.
1: Yeah, I was reading that, how they talked about how there's nothing specifically that can trigger an event to fail. For example, like you have to sneak by something where it's easily griefable. Um, which would definitely be the biggest concern I'd have with a system that's mostly public.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because that's no problem if you're in an instance world because you could just do it, but someone can randomly run by, and uh, even if they don't pull it to you, they can aggro the monster, and then suddenly it's awake, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I suppose we'll see how that pans out. Let's talk about traits. I, I'm imagining we're not going to talk as much about traits because they're pretty straightforward aren't they pretty much the equivalent of uh, attributes? No, there will also be attributes if I understand right. What these are like, um, okay, I'm gonna use a comparison because most people are gonna be able to draw something from this. In WoW you get talents. Traits, what they'll do is they will affect the skills that you have. They're they're kinda skill specific or it might even be multiple skills that would benefit from getting a critical hit or something but these talents affect those in that way so it's not a numeric boost it's a boost to one thing that you've got on your bar or a few things on your bar that are kind of similar. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it's. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, I guess, having more customizable characters. Guild Wars is one of the few games that when I see a certain class, that doesn't mean I have any idea what it's going to be played like or what they're <laughs> going to bring to the table.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember one time in just regular Guild Wars, we were... We went into, what was it, Napui Quarter. And we brought this monk because we were looking for a healer, right? So we get in there, and he's just standing there. And he's like, hey, who's healing? What are you talking about? I'm 55. Oh, my God. That was the first time I heard of a 55 monk, but everybody (laughs) bailed right there. Of course, that was a bad example of what was supposed to be a good thing pointed out by Trevor. So good on me.
3: (laughs) There's a a trait system uh, that I keep likening to uh, um, in Lotro. Uh, it's actually called a trait system, and basically, it's it sounds very similar to what Guild Wars 2 is planning on doing. Is where there's there's like three branches of um, abilities that you can go into for any particular class, and you can like dump all your points into um, certain traits or like uh, equip a certain traits, and then when you have a whole bunch, then you're really good at whatever your branches that you're trying to do. Like I play a healer uh, in Lotro and there's like a tree that's um, all making your healing really good, but your damage output's bad. And then there's another one that makes your damage output good. So I think that's similar to WoW's talent system where you respec points. Mm-hmm. Like you could, what is it? A priest that's the healer. You can oh, like spec for healing or
0: is that got, right? Yeah. They've got like four healer classes in that game. I played a priest and th- actually what they had was two healer trees and then one DPS tree. You know, I gotta get Mm. something off my back here because this happened a lot in Sean's, uh, in Guildcast episode four last week. People are going, while we speculate on what Guild Wars 2 is gonna be like, we're gonna be likening it to other games. I mean, that's all you've got to go by is comparison. So, I just want everyone to be ready for that, that if we can't describe something but it is in another game, we will bring that up.
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of advances in um, multiplayer games have been made since Guild Wars came out. Um, so, and you know, after WoW came out, WoW and Guild Wars came out about the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's been a lot of games since then who have developed new systems, new technologies. And so, um, Guild Wars 2 is drawing on some of those, but they're obviously going beyond what anyone else has done.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that in the, in the next segment. But yeah, so that's, that's traits for you is... Uh, one last thing I want to point out though is I think traits will even specialize within a specialization so let's use an example of uh, a priest's holy tree and WoW he can either be a priest with great heal over time effects or he can be a priest with really great output just straight off the bat I think it'll be similar to that where um, if you have one thing you want to do in Guild Wars 2 you can specialize within that specialization really well that's what I got from it
3: I like that because in Guild Wars, I typically always stuck with, uh, my main profession and then use my secondary very little. Uh, certain builds, you know, you might, uh, benefit from, like I grabbed maybe one or two skills from my secondary, but I usually tried to stay with exactly what my class was. And so maybe they weren't the, the, uh, the most powerful builds or anything like that, but I was, I was always plenty effective, but I like using my soul class to its best potential.
0: Mm-hmm. And having a lot of options within it is what will yeah. really make mm-hmm. things great.
3: Yeah, because people are used to having all those different combos that you can do with mixing any secondaries. Because how many classes are there now? Six, eight, ten, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, nine per character because you have your primary already.
3: Right. So you mix them all together and you can like do almost any number of combinations. Um, Guild Wars players are going to be used to that, so looking at all the information that they've come out with about what you can do with changing your skills or, um, ch- you know, you change your weapon and a new set of skills pops out or whatnot. ArenaNet uh, has to make sure that there's still plenty of options for players to do, because if there aren't enough things that you can switch out and, you know, customize builds for yourself, it's going to end up much more like a normal MMO, and that's definitely what they don't want.
0: Yeah, yeah. secondary professions were what put Guild Wars above that. Hopefully they can maintain that. It seems like they've got that in mind, that even though you can only be one profession, they're going to use that one profession to keep you as interested as the secondary used to. Uh, That's definitely
1: the biggest thing in Guild Wars for me is, I don't know, you you play one class in a lot of other games, and it's it's fairly bland. Um, There's not a lot of flavors to it. But in Guild Wars, it's... Uh, you run into somebody and it's, it's totally, based on their build, it's drastically different. I mean, there might as well be 200 different
0: classes. Mm-hmm. I look forward to traits, guys. We'll, we'll tell you more as we find out more about them. Uh, another thing I want to clarify from last week and a lot of the blogs and other podcasts and stuff I've heard is as far as the quips on the videos that we've seen for Guild Wars 2, you know, those little one-liners they have after they kill something, it has been clarified that those don't happen often at all. Hardly ever they simply put those in the videos for uh, for you know for effect, and I'm pretty sure arenanet right now is going are bad, but um you can also turn them off so bottom line is quips are not a big deal they'll
3: there are going to be in the game yes I mean,
0: but... so yeah, I'm glad quips have made for such great conversation um, <laughs> mobs also in regard to clarification. In regard to the videos that they've released, mobs will not be one shottable by warriors. That also was just for effect, in case anybody was wondering.
2: Yes, <laughs> welcome to Speculator's what Corner.
0: The, uh,
3: but I was thinking about that warrior doing that, like, big damage with the ranged weapon. The thing is, uh, Guild Wars, they've already said that they don't have um, exactly a an agro system where there's, like, one class that will be the tank, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. warrior has lots of hit points and stuff and will probably be the front line, but they don't have a system where um, he can just go up and, like, hold all the aggro as the tank. Um it, There'll still be, like, you know, aggro will get pulled from other people when they do more damage to it and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I figure the warrior would need to have something that's a, a high damage, something if he wants to pull something, like, normally you used to use a, a longbow or something like that, right? To mm-hmm. go grab something that's out of range. Um, but, like, if other, thing, other people in your party are hitting that mob, the warrior would need something to grab the aggro initially that would, you know, be competitive with a, uh, a striker class that's pounding on something.
0: Yeah, and preferably also something that will kind of um, snare them to stay close. So if it does mm-hmm. try to get away, he can cripple it. Run back up and start beating it behind the head?
3: Something that knocks them down or slows them.
0: That would make warrior very interesting for me, and typically warriors are not interesting to me.
3: Right. It's hard to um, tank with it because you can go up and you can uh, grab aggro initially, and you're like, okay, I have all the mobs on me, right? Mm -hmm. But then, you know, an elementalist comes along and drops a few um, spells on it, and suddenly it goes, oh, I like the elementalist better because it's doing more damage to me, right? Mm Right. So.
0: And that's more realistic, so I do appreciate they've done that, you know, I always thought the tanking system was kind of silly, as
3: mm-hmm. far
0: as if you were to, especially if you were an RPer, you'd be like, really, this thing's trying to kill the guy with all t- tons of plate and tons of health, and I'm standing back here healing, and it doesn't care about me? I don't think so. But, it,
1: know,
0: but... I, I think it could be worked around, like, there, there's a compromise there, where you could make it so that the tank has ways of keeping stuff near him even if it doesn't want to be. That's what I would like to see.
3: exactly. Yeah, I think that's really cool. In in Lotro, <laughs> we're gonna keep talking about other games. Uh, you talk about wow, and I'll talk about Lotro, okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> the the tanking class has all of these um, skills that they don't necessarily do a whole lot of damage. But the whole point is, it's like you're taunting the enemies. Um, you're doing things that keep keep them wanting to attack you, and uh, it's a system where you generate like that much aggro and um then a regular DPS generates a certain amount of aggro but as long as the tank is generating more then the mobs will stay on him
1: yeah from what i recall i i swear i saw somewhere talking about how taunts won't actually be in the game um i don't remember exactly where i read that but it it, it makes you wonder exactly is there going to be like a threat table or anything going on in guild wars 2 or
0: no they said there
3: it doesn't sound like it
0: well he said there won't be a taunt function he didn't say there won't be a threat table. I imagine there will be one, but I don't think it'll work like other games where it'll necessarily be the tank who just easily keeps it. Trevor's on mute because he's got a loud kid. He's going to be recording from a car very soon also. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he was saying that there won't be a taunt system. There may be a threat table, but I think it's going to be similar to Guild Wars.
3: I think so too. And Just because I don't know, they've already said that there won't be like an aggro system like other MMOs have. So that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. And also on the note of the the Holy Trinity of MMOs, it also looks like the state of healers is in question. Like, will there be specific healer professions? We don't know. But according to, uh, what's his name? Hunter. He goes by Hunter on the Hunter's Insight blog. He says, he, he pulled up some artwork, some conceptual artwork that ArenaNet did. And so far, the professions that have been announced and a lot of the the news that we've been given about the professions coincides with this one piece of art that shows us, I think it was, I don't remember how many different professions there were on there. But among them all, there was no monk. And in fact, there was nobody that even looked like a monk or a healer. Except for this one class or profession that we couldn't really line up with anything, that looks like a, a warrior in a way, but kind of more holy looking, So a lot of people are speculating that support classes are all that we're going to get in Guild Wars. And the main support class will be this mystery one here. And what it'll do is it'll be on the front line and it'll have all kinds of support capability. It won't be in the back casting heals. It'll be in the front, you know, doing stuff to keep people safe and all that. Uh, I'm, as a healer lover myself, that's interesting. Not sure if I like it yet. I mean, I'd have to see how it was implemented, but I could see myself really liking it. Because a lot of people complain about... MMO whack-a-mole is what they call healing. Because you've got these little bars and you're just refilling them. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I I love playing a healer class, um, but I think there probably will not be a monk because the lore system has uh, already said, like, people are abandoning the gods. And um, so a monk wouldn't make sense anymore. I still think there will be some kind of healing class, though. It'll just be reflavored... uh, instead of being a monk but there will probably be um, some other kind of secondary healer. Um, I mean the main healer might be something like a ritualist or yeah they use some other kind of magic or something in battle
0: and but there
4: been... there's
3: another class that I really like um, when I play um, when I play Lotro, I play a healer and I play another class that's like a, a secondary um, healer and DPS called a captain. And they are a melee class, like you were talking about, a frontline fighter um, who does a decent amount of damage, but not a huge amount. But they give um, buffs to the party. They do um, shouts, which uh, refill um, uh, health bars, um, which kind of like, yeah, let's go for it. We're going to inspire the party to um, do more. And then it revitalizes everybody, like that kind of concept. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I could see that type of character being in Guild Wars 2 as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a playoff of Paragons in a way, because Paragons right. stole the role like that. They were not the front line, but they were right behind the Warriors, and they were inspiring everybody. There has also been talk though of uh, like the Water Elementalists, Water Magic having more of a healing quality to it in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. So we might see small schools tr- stemming off of existing professions that were that we already know and expect, like a Necromancer with who knows maybe some sort of a healing tree of their own that might resemble a Ritualist. I mean. It's all up in the air. Mm.
3: Suck life from one person and give it to another? No, suck life from the enemies and heal the party? That
0: would be interesting. And that would be called channeling magic. See that? I just justified my really, really bad speculation. (laughs) They had
1: something kind of akin to that in uh, Warhammer. I don't remember what class it was because I played it forever ago. But the idea was you were constantly debuffing people and redirecting health via the debuff. So you throw a debuff on one person and then buff on another... And point point per point, it jump over to that person.
0: That's mm. awesome. I like that. So yeah, thanks to Hunter for that one. Um, on that note, we should also talk about something that I got from Sean over at the Conjure Phantasm blog, which he, he dissected this video. And in a very, very small like second of the video, he saw what looked like a Necromancer spell being casted on something. Now, why this is important is because, as I was talking about with that concept art, Another profession that's missing from there is the necromancer. But if he's right, then we may actually have necros in Guild Wars 2, which means this concept art is not the holy grail or gospel of what we're going to get, and means that the speculation's for naught. But it could also just be, you know, this spell was green; it glowed green, but it was a mesmer casting it. I mean, who knows? Did you guys see that?
1: Yeah, I, I noticed. Um, I was looking over that actually a few minutes ago. I just got to find it in all my hundred tabs. Um, it it's definitely really interesting. I really like both those classes and the ideas behind them. Personally, looking at the uh, attire in the pictures, I would suggest it's a necromancer. I don't see a Mesmer wearing horns or anything like that. It, it, the class seems to be more focused on illusion instead of demonic, I don't know, demonic powers. So my my best guess is being a necromancer.
0: It even has weird little designs around the spell as it's being casted. They look very... Like you say, almost demonic. So, yeah, it's probably a necro that we're seeing.
3: You never know. Mesmers could have turned to the dark side and are just totally badass now.
0: That's the other thing is I'm wondering if they're going to take some professions and kind of meld them. Because some of them are so alike, you could see them kind of becoming smashed together like, as I was saying, paragons and maybe, okay, bad example there. Let's throw that away. Uh, Mesmers and necros. You could kind of see that coming together. Very hex based
3: those two yeah because uh, they do their hexes do different things but essentially they both uh, have like debuffing trays and uh, and also kind of like adding extra things to add to your party so I could see them getting blended together into some new class
0: and now for you Guild Wars one players we're heading on into Togo's soapbox. As a new player to Guild Wars. Oh, Togo, I just want to get through this already, shut up! Have you guys. Togo. <laughs> have you guys played Guild Wars much lately? Not Any this past amount
1: week. of free time I've been able to get, I've been playing it. In fact, I'm slightly guilty because that is currently what I'm doing right now.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been playing Guild Wars a lot, too. Um, we got, I got a lot of my friends from the other game. That other game that I haven't mentioned in the show, a lot of those friends coming and playing Guild Wars with me now. We're having quite a bit of fun. Got you mean practice.
3: they're tired of raiding?
0: Oh I know, imagine that.
3: I uh I have to confess though that I was uh I was in a, a raiding guild, essentially, in Lotro, and that's like all I did, like four nights a week.
0: <laughs> oh wow.
1: You know, the interesting thing about Guild Wars is I hate, hate, hate P V E and the other games I've played, I've just been a PvPer, and that one game that shall not be named, uh, I was in high-rated arenas, like 2300 plus, and I actually like the PvE in this game, oddly enough.
0: Yeah, this is the only game I get into the story. I get way into the story for Guild Wars. Is it true that it was largely based off of Magic the Gathering? Or at least inspired by? I, I heard that somewhere. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I don't know enough about Magic to really say for sure. I just got a cursory glance of it, and I could definitely see it.
3: Well, you—they have the concept of um, you have a, a deck of cards, and then you like you pull out the, like the top few, and that's what you have to play with, right? Mm-hmm. That concept has been used more than once with them. Um, well, you can just see like you—you you can only choose a certain number of skills that you go out to play with in an instance, and then also they had the tournaments where they gave you a sealed deck essentially, um, and then. You opened up your cards or whatever, and you had a certain number of skills that you used, and that was what you used to have your PvP tournament, the Guild Wars tournaments. So hmm. they had like a like a, a card game type system for a couple of
0: things. But yeah, um, this was something I used to talk about a lot, like especially when I started playing WoW was like, I could not get into that story. Maybe there are Warcraft nerds out there who got into WoW, and they were like, oh yeah, this is great, though most of them I hear that's just like sacrilege. This MMO's tearing the lore apart. But when you get into Guild Wars, it's brand new. It's made for the game. And it's just very fresh. It's very different. I like this content so much. Um
3: Yeah. Isn't the um the lore of uh, of WoW came from the original Warcraft games though, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Sort of. I mean they're saying they kinda of bastardized yeah. it, but
3: Oh, I never played Warcraft. I played some StarCraft, but But no, um when I first started playing Guild Wars, just from the very start, I felt like I was sucked into the story. And when we were playing in the beta, all you had was pre-searing. And you didn't even have like the whole next step of the lore, which is a huge deal, right? But I don't know. I, I felt like I was pulled immediately into the world. I cared about every single character I made. Um, You kind of care about the people. Some, you know, some of the people you don't care about, like Togo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, my, my one complaint with Guild Wars is like I would get a lot I get attached a lot more to characters if their voice actors weren't absolutely terrible.
0: Yeah, my monk I don't really like listening to him talking um cinematics.
1: Well like Danica, I was really hoping at the end of that one mission she just got like crushed or something.
3: <laughs> she should have because there was like the whole temple or whatever it was was falling down, right?
0: Yeah, Menlo should have pushed her under something. He'd been like, Oh, thank God. I know I'm supposed to be all gracious and stuff, but she's a pain in the butt.
3: I like to sacrifice her in that mission, which is it? Is it Raisu Palace, where you get to choose which... um,
0: Oh, yeah, near the
3: end of the factions. Yeah. Bring um, Talon and Danica, I think, are the ones I always bring.
0: You know, I always end up sacrificing Sin, because she's a brat. But (laughs) Danica, yeah, she's definitely more worth killing. I'm going to do that next time. (laughs) But, uh, oh... Okay, so we had a segment here called Togo Soapbox, and uh, the the topic we were wanting to discuss is Guild Wars Wiki. This is something when you join any MMO, you really need to go out and find the wiki for it immediately. It will make it will make you pass up the whole noob stage right off the bat, and that's you know that's a good thing. Yeah, I assume it you is, guys use it.
3: It is great. Um, there was, I mean, it is. There's a. There's a certain newness when you first go into a game and you just want to go like play a mission and stuff, but there's a lot of people who are perfectionists and want to just like or uh, a completionists and want to just do bang 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 get everything. They don't want to miss something and have to go back. Um but there there's it's kind of rewarding if you find something along the way, you know, in um in prophecies there was like a mission where if you uh find this random NPC in one of the missions and then go like talk to his wife or his girlfriend or something outside of the mission, it's, like, this additional quest. And you you wouldn't normally have to run across it, but if, like, you look at it and you read it and go, oh, I know who that person is, and you, like, go find them elsewhere in the world, it's kind of rewarding to, like, get the storyline aspects of it. But, you know, you might miss that if you went through the mission and didn't see the guy. Yeah. So it'd be useful to have the wiki. I'm, guess... I'm just gonna tell you another story. Um, <laughs> 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 there was, um... One of the Prophecies missions. It was the first time we did it, and we read the thing about how to do this, um, uh, do the bonus part of it. And it was one where you had to follow the Char Flamebringers as they opened up the gate and went into their stronghold.
0: I hated that one.
3: We just, yeah, we just read it and we're like, oh, Char, and we just went and killed them as soon as they spawned, right? And then we're wandering around and going where is the thing we're supposed to go to so we looked up on the wiki and we're like okay it's right here we ran over to it and they're like but the door's locked and it took us like 20 minutes and someone read it better and was like oh we weren't supposed to kill those guys in the beginning (laughs) like oh
1: crap
0: yeah and those are the that's kind of why i'm such a wiki nut i mean i understand why you would go into a game and kind of make a new character that you don't plan on really investing in just to get the idea okay what's going on here then you can go back and as you read the wiki you know what they're talking about that's probably the best way to go about it but still find that wiki know where it is because like guild wars wiki will help you with any mission it'll help you find any you know boss you need for the zeishin bounty it's it's crazy how useful a wiki is for any game wow had one it was great yeah wiki is i don't know there's just so much
1: information even on stuff you can't even imagine that would be there one of the things I like the most is just being able to pull up the entire skill set for my class so I can make up my own builds later. I can look at what's out there. I know possibly, you know, where I want to shoot for and what campaign to get what elite skill, that sort of thing. It lets you kind of plan things out ahead of time.
0: Yeah, and speaking of builds and wikis, that'll that'll be our segue for uh, pro tips. Wild up in the hizzy dogs? Here's a pro tip. So you can be rather pro. Uh, The pro tip segment is the wiki for builds. Because you pros out there, you want your awesome builds, the ones that are going to make you effective. And there's actually a completely separate wiki from Guild Wars wiki dedicated to this completely called PVX wiki. So look that up. You can download, well, number one, there's a code that you can just paste into your character's uh, build code. So you can just copy-paste. Or you can download the build, or you can download packages of builds for, like, your heroes. Builds that are vetted to be good for heroes, that sort of thing. This thing is crazy. It's I go there all the time. I go there more than Guild Wars Wiki, probably.
3: Some builds that are really good uh, for a normal player are really bad for heroes, because they're just not as smart.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, actually,
3: like, some heroes are actually smarter than some players. But.
0: That's true, but I'd like to see a hero pull off a spiteful spirit nuke. <laughs>
1: Last I played this, and I once again I'm getting back into the game, um, heroes are pretty amazing with interrupts too, last I checked. Um, like
0: dead on, yeah.
1: quick succession, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, uh, a monk healer with a mesmer secondary, they can get a lot of energy off of interrupts, take advantage of that.
3: Yeah, if I um, am playing my mesmer and I'm bringing heroes, I will... Uh, have the hero do interrupts and do go like domination magic and I would do something else just because the AI just kind of it already like can predict the enemy's uh, uh, skills or it can see them happening faster than you can so it just seems like the hero is like way better at interrupts
0: <laughs> and the hero seems less subject to lag too
1: yeah it, it's definitely nice for hero builds and everything I also really like it for the PVP aspect of it um, the builds are set up and categorized based on what you want to do with it. Um, Heroes' Ascent, random arenas, uh, um, guild versus guild, that sort of thing. Rated. There's a lot of information on the discuss, discussion page, and the Wikipedia article itself gives you a lot of information as far as like what, um, for example, what for rangers, what bows you want to use, um, what you need to equip with it. It doesn't just give you the build; it tells you the options you have, um, what sort of gear you want to use with it, that sort of
0: thing. One thing about it, though, is I made the, I don't want to call it a mistake, but I made the common assumption that you only want to look up the ones that are vetted great. So I went to look up a monk build that was vetted as great. But when I went to look under good, there were more options. And I'm not, I got to be honest, I'm not really sure what the difference is. I mean, how do they vet some of this stuff? Like if you go to look under a necromancer, most of their great builds, last I checked, were healer builds. And that's thats just kind of odd to me. So um, don't, Assume that if it's not great, that it's not going to work. It'll work just fine. Maybe I'm just not doing elite enough stuff to know why the good stuff isn't good enough or whatever. But um, I also make a lot of my own builds. But this is after surfing PVX Wiki for a really long time, figuring out what sort of stuff they make their builds off of. Because then you get the concepts, you start to just understand what's going through the common build maker's mind and you kind of become one yourself. That's the best place to be. So PBX wiki will also help you to become a better maker of your own builds. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> and didn't um, PBX wiki used to not exist? Uh, I believe all the builds used to be a part of the regular Guild Wars wiki,
0: mm-hmm. right? But, yeah, and then they, they decided not out. to
3: host it anymore, and then someone else picked it up and made the separate site. But yeah, the the wikis are amazing. We used to use the uh, the wiki all the, the regular wiki all the time for identifying exactly where the uh monsters with certain skills were which what it what elite skills they had so we did that when we were going through our skill capping stage right it's like okay what's in this zone what what secondary should we bring and stuff rather than going out and looking for the bosses and going oh this is out here and then like going back to town
4: mm-hmm. get
3: the secondary you need and then going out again and then also there's ones like in prophecies the not all the bosses might spawn so it'll tell you like if this boss spawns the one you want is not there so just go back to town
0: <laughs> yeah that was really nice cuz i was trying to cap every elementalist skill and especially in the later prophecies areas it got to be a real pain
3: yeah what is the um the um, somewhere on the fire islands the first region there's a bunch there that that uh one boss will spawn and the other one will not unless you reset the instance
0: yeah there was a hydra that i had to cap glyph of renewal from and I was able to zone in and out four times. Just immediately, boom. And I saw the boss that I wanted to see, which wasn't the boss I was going to cap from. But seeing that boss told me that my boss was in here. Mm. So then oh. I moved on down the line and got him. So saved me f- like four runs worth of disappointment. Yeah. Yep, so thank you to the wikis. And this is probably going to wrap up our show. I think we ran a little long today, but that's fine by me. Uh, we're going to run even longer because we have some recordings some interviews that Astara got. Uh, this was like how long ago? Almost a year.
3: September.
0: Yeah. So it's, September this
3: is last year. So,
0: so yeah, it's not super current news. Um, if arena nets listening, Hey, we're up to have some really current news.
3: <clears throat> <laughs> yes.
0: Hint, hint, hint. And if you want to get hold of us, arena net or listeners, you can contact us at relics of or relics of O R R at gmail.com. Um, you can call us at 708 202 9262. We're also on Twitter and Facebook now, so look us up. Just Relics of or. Uh Just so people know, Or is not a city in the Guild Wars lore. It's a nation, my bad. And uh, I've updated our main page, so if you haven't been there recently, have a look. Um, I'm still blogging pretty strong, usually throughout the week. And if anything comes out from the Guild Wars 2 people, usually they announce it on Twitter. I put it on our site with a little editorial commentary. Et cetera, et cetera. And also, if you guys want to join our forums, please do. We like to hang out. And if you want to join our guild or alliance, say you have a guild and you don't want to drop it, but you want to be part of an alliance, we're still game for that. Uh, we are Kursk, though, just so you know. Um, and if you don't have a guild, send me, a, send me an in-game tell. You can contact me at... Oh, man. My names are so hard to just say.
3: Just make some other character name make like a pvp character that has a really easy spelling or something
0: that's a good and idea then
3: if they add that then your whole account is added
0: i got an idea okay i will do that like in the a next
3: million people can't figure out how to spell Sanea, even though i would spell it like all the time in selling my email address so i was like okay um if you want to add me on my account um my character name is menlo's girlfriend and everybody should be able to spell that <laughs>
0: Wait a second, you were Menlo's girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> I used to see you all over the place, and I thought that was such a cool name.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was me. You probably saw me in uh, alliance battles all the time, right?
0: Yeah, and I even made a comment to you once. I said, doesn't that piss Sin off? And I think you were like, what?
3: <laughs> what? No, I probably responded, unless I was like, shut up, Noob, I'm trying to kill you.
0: Well, I think <laughs> it was probably something like that. <laughs>
3: uh, no, th- there was one when, um, what was it? There was one... uh. April Fool's Day, I think it was, when you your characters uh, were made to, depending on what their class was, was made to look like one of the main NPCs. Like, a male ranger was Aiden,
0: right? Oh, I remember that, yeah. I,
3: was that in April Fool's? I think it was. Yeah. So anyway, I remade Menlo's Girlfriend as an elementalist, just so that I could get a screenshot of her as Sin.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
3: But <laughs> it's normally a Mesmer.
0: So, yeah, okay, um... I'm going to make a character as soon as I get off this podcast, and I'm going to name him Relics of Ore. How does that work? That'll work. Excellent. It's either that or i got to come up with something as crafty as Walmart Special, which I'm not going to top, but maybe Sir Topham Hat. I don't know. Relics of Ore. Look for a guy named Relics of Ore in-game and add him, and I'll get you in the guild. Last thing I want to uh, note about in-game, though, is... um. I'm trying to plan an in-game event to kind of strike up some interest in Guild Wars, to strike up some interest in the podcast, and just the game in general. So if you if you log into the game, uh, send Relics of War a tell, and just tell them, you know, uh, I'm interested in joining your in-game event, which will be uh, Raid of Urgaz's Warren. If you're not interested in Urgaz's Warren, but some other elite mission, let me know. And uh, we're going to be meeting up in the Temple of Balthazar somewhere. This thing hasn't been planned out yet, and that's why I need you guys to join in is get on the forums, talk to me in-game. We'd like to be able to give people stuff, you know, have giveaways. I'm going to start farming some greens on my Elementalist and a lot of other stuff like that. And we're also hoping people can bring tons of consumables so there can be big old dance parties of, you know, little elves and stuff and get screenshots of that for the site. Oh my god,
3: okay. Now, you had me until that because I'm afraid of the elves.
0: Oh. I even saved some Yuletide Tonics just so I could be able to do this. Mm. I'm pretty sure star will not be there if anybody is coming for that reason.
3: I guess I could probably work on my uh, drunkard title so that I don't have to see it as clearly.
0: There you go. Or (sighs) what other kind of tonics are there?
3: I had another (laughs) one. There's the roller beetle ones. There's... uh...
0: We could all show up as the big old mox looking dudes. (laughs) Yeah. I just just got a bunch of those. So yeah, just anything to spark up some interest in this game. But um, that has not been given a date nor a time or a place, but we would like a bunch of people to get together and talk about what you'd like to do because we can probably garner a lot of interest in this. Uh, just let me know. Um, relicsofwar.com. Go to the forums. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to talk about? Uh, burritos. I was trying to think of something. Oh, burrito. Okay. What is it with the word burrito? Okay, so burro in Spanish is a donkey, right? Uh, I guess it's like a...
1: I don't know. Maybe they were originally like had donkeys in them.
0: Yeah, because... So,
3: a burrito is, it's stuff wrapped in a tortilla, right? So, it's an ass wrap.
0: <laughs> so, that's the thing is, when you add Ito to the end of it, it means it's a small donkey. So, how? So, was, it's,
3: a, it's a tiny a**.
0: Yeah, which I kind of have one of those. Do you guys know how bad I'm sweating? This thing is freaking hot. Wow.
1: <laughs> I just died a freaking harpy mother. I'm pissed.
0: <sighs> oh, we didn't do Wheel of Morality and here I am shut. <laughs> Before we want to head out, I also want to let you guys know, I hinted at it earlier, just so I'm certain that you guys are aware of it, Guildcast has rebooted. And they're already four, maybe five episodes in by now. I think Sean's on here recording right now. Anyway, you guys should go check that out. Look up Guildcast on iTunes. It's the one with the picture of the new Elementalist artwork. It's not the one with the old green dragon. Okay, so go check it out. Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Astara.
3: Um, never let your girlfriend get in the way of your gaming.
0: Well spoken. Girlfriends are not worth it. No.
3: you got to keep your priorities straight.
0: <laughs> yeah, games first, man. So, I am Ryan.
3: And I'm Astara.
0: And I'm Trevor. We'll see you guys next week.
3: So I went to PAX last year in September of 2009, and I did uh, an interview with a couple of the ArenaNet employees. And so what was happening at the time is the trailer, the first in-game trailer where they showed a bunch of the regions and stuff. Was released about a week before PAX, and so that was what the big hype was all about. It was like the first new Guild Wars 2 information that we'd had since like the very first announcement of it. <laughs> so that's the main thing we talked about. There's a couple uh, points where there's uh, I talked about like a, an ion promotion in it and. It's kind of like irrelevant now, but um, like there was an issue that got resolved, but I left it in the um, audio segment because it kind of flowed right into the next question that we had. It would be kind of like broken up if I chopped it out. But I did chop out a couple of places where there was questions that uh, I asked and the uh, developers skirted my question and said, we would get in trouble if we told you. So (laughs) uh, that's about it. Uh, Enjoy the interview. Alright, this is Lace and Anne. I'm here with Jeff Grubb and Chris And Please introduce yourselves. Uh, tell me uh, what your jobs are and such.
5: Uh, my name is Jeff Grubb. I am uh, a game designer with ArenaNet. Uh, that's a very broad term within the company. I am responsible for world building, story, and cinematics within the game, as well as continuity. Uh, I'm sort of war lore boy. I take care of story, uh, story for the game, and basically make sure we all are heading in the right direction. Let's see, my name is Chris Lyon. I'm the
2: global brand director for ArenaNet and Guild Wars, and that's a fancy name for marketing. <laughs> Very good. Okay. <laughs> so, as I told you before,
3: I'm a huge Guild Wars fan. Um, so, what do you do when you're looking at um, moving things forward towards Guild Wars Two? What lore aspects are you
5: at. Well, Guild Wars Two takes place 250 years after the events of the original Guild Wars, set in the same area as Prophecies Imperia. So that means we have a rich sense of history and heritage already in place. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when we do maps, we look at legacy sites and say places that were important back in original uh, uh, Guild Wars One. And if they are still there, if they're in an area, we're gonna make sure we address what is there uh, for the second, for the new game. Uh, Good example, if uh, 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 Sorrow's Furnace, uh, basically was a dwarven enclave, for example. All the dwarves have gone into underneath the uh, earth to fight uh, the Great Destroyer and Primordius' other minions. Well, what's there now? Who's there now? Who's now running things there, okay? Uh, we say that uh, um, uh, the kingdom of ore has been risen from the bottom of the sea. See, if you've got anything with, with uh, shoreline property on the Sea of Sorrows, <laughs> you've seen major renovations to uh, Lion's Heart. Yeah. To any anything that basically where they can reach. We've left a lot of hints. We have a lot of pieces of ore that we use as springboards for story coming forward. We look at the old tales and say. Is this tale appropriate? Does this support what we're doing? Is this tale... And who says... And if, if we have a quote from a character that says something, well, is that accurate? Is that something that... Is that, is that if it's inaccurate, why is the character saying it? So basically, is it an unreliable narrator? Is it a misinformed? Do they have another agenda? And that helps spin stories. So we use... Guild Wars 1 as a basis to basically bring us forward. Now, new stories have happened, things you've never heard of before. In Guild Wars 2, as a mechanic, we have female charm. We've never seen them before in Guild Wars 1. Where were they? A story comes out of that, you know, that that sort of thing. So uh, we see both a evolution as well as new material that, you know, the dragons awakening is the revolution of the last 250 years. So the world has changed. But for long-term players of Guild Wars, you will see. Yes, I recognize this world. For new players of Guild Wars too, it will be. Uh, the here is a world with a rich heritage. There's a lot of yeah. depth here, and we we think it's a strength, and that's why we're why we why we use it. That's
3: cool because I think it's important to to bring new players in. Exactly. But at the same time, there have been so many of us who've been playing for so long. Mm-hmm. You want. It, a little bit. Uh, I, I remember I had like guilty sort of distressed when Guild Wars Two was first announced because they're saying, "Oh no, does that mean Guild Wars One is over?" I was like, "No, things are still good, you know. Don't worry about it, right?" But I, I knew that it was because um, you had to announce there was a reason why there weren't new chapters coming out.
5: We went dark for two years, and, and uh, you know, our our organization is such that. We couldn't just go dark and not tell our fans. Right, because otherwise why, we wouldn't be like to. Where
2: where's right. the news? What's exactly. going on? Yeah. See, I mean we played fair. We gave I mean we gave the context of why we were going dark and why we were the here. And even then there were players who were upset. They're like, exactly. oh, yeah. I don't you know. But oh we yeah, not, we all know <laughs> and the thing is, what people don't understand about, you know, games like online RPGs and MMOs is that your fan base is the key to your success. If yeah. you don't play straight with them you're going to hear yep. about it and so we absolutely had to th- explain at that time this is why we're not
5: going to be producing in 10 days but yeah. it, was, it was difficult because you know we would be quiet and then people would say we haven't heard anything for a year and a half is this game really happening you know yeah. and, and i'm sitting here thinking i'm working way too hard for this to be vaporware so yeah it, it, it has been it has been a, a secret we've been keeping it co- close to our best but now with the trailer with the art books with these interviews we're allowed to start talking and, you know, it's, it's both a relief, and also, okay, we want to tell you things, and then we have to stop at a certain point. <laughs> yeah! Because we can't tell you everything. Yeah. yet. tell yeah. you everything. Oh, as much huh. as people would want that. Mm-hmm.
3: I know. So, I mean, I was one of those going like, well, I don't know, they're saying, oh, are we are going to hear new Guild Wars 2 info, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> I'll yeah. see, right? And then the trailer comes out, just, just like, what, last oh, week, right? Yeah,
5: two weeks, ago, weeks ago, and we yeah, uh, debuted at Cologne at Gamescom.
3: Yeah, so then the fan base got all excited again. Yeah. And suddenly it was like Guild Wars is alive again, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, of, of course it hasn't, you know, I still go in, I, I
5: love the Zation missions and stuff, right, but... I, I have a friend I gave, gave a copy of the game to, and he's been, you know, I've been reliving the experience of going through the game through him uh, vicariously. Yeah. As he hits people, ask questions, and I'll smile and say, oh yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. He was mentioning how, right now, we're seeing a lot of, suddenly he's become someone who's advising other players. But we're seeing a lot of new players who are coming back to say, what's all this new about News about Guild Wars? Hey, the original game is here, and they're actually picking it up and seeing, and seeing what's there. And like I said, we have a live team. We have an ongoing commitment. Guild Wars 1 is still with us. Uh, we're not turning off servers or anything. We're, 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 we're here for both games. So, but we're making Guild Wars 2, utilizing everything we've learned, Plus improvements in technology and engine design to produce a really cool game that does things we could not do with Guild Wars One. Yeah. Uh, like the uh, persi- uh, more persistent environments, for right? example. That's a feature of Guild Wars One. The fact that we not so much of it is instance. Right. So therefore, we that we got feedback saying we'd like more persistence, please. We can't do that with the Guild Wars One engine. Right. Not the we way can it's set do it up right for the now. Guild Wars Two. Exactly.
3: I was impressed about in the trailer was all
2: of the flybys through the zones. Oh there's yeah. A
3: lot of areas it's like that actually have been worked on. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like the first time we've actually seen real game footage. Right,
2: that's in-game, there's no
5: cheating yeah. there. So yeah.
2: yeah. that was really important because we knew, I mean as important as, as the concept art was and showing the concept art that inspires the world, we also knew our fans wouldn't let us get away with just a concept art trailer. Right. We, after being quiet for so long, we absolutely had to show you, hey, what is the state of the game? How beautiful is it going to look? And I've been really surprised because a lot of the people we've talked to here at the show, some of them did not realize that the in-game footage was in fact in engine. They thought it was still concept,
5: it's still Adam, the concept art. Right. I mean we've got a got a component of what I call art art to life, that, co- that moment where you basically get the shot of divinity for each and then it transforms into yeah. in-game footage. And that is just, that's a perfect tool. That's perfect, wonderful it? and it links it's it together. Time for it to become real, right? Exactly. Time for like it to become real. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> It just turns Moment on that, transition. it turns on that dime and boom, we're into the in-game footage and again. Uh, the shot I really like for the in-game is Radha right, That's the uh, Asura home mm-hmm. city now. It's 250 years later and it's this, Pyramiding block, yeah. and the camera goes swooping up the side and over the top and into the heart of it, down five levels and into the basement. And that's one single shot. I really, I, yeah. love, I love that. Game. You look at a lot of in-game trailers; and they give you a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And right. they, that's very gutsy. So it kind of like
3: flies through, yeah. flies over areas. And there's
5: there's one where there's a scene. It's
3: you're like going through a field, and it transitions from morning to. Yeah, right. that's our yeah, day-night
2: cycle. That's
5: what kind of demonstrated that. That was show I mean, not tell. It's
3: like two seconds long, but I was like,
2: look at
5: that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The uh, but that there were some very gutsy shots in there, and that sort of like sums up the type of thing we want to do. We're not going to give you a standard uh, MMO. We're not giving you a standard RPG. We're going to push boundaries here. We're going to you know, redefine.
3: That's great. I mean, there's so many games that are really quite similar to each other except for maybe the design of the world. Right? Yeah. And one of the things about Guild Wars is it's always been so different. When I um, uh, first started playing, the advertisements were like, well, here's what you know uh, Diablo 2 did right and here's what Diablo 2 did wrong and we don't like that. We're going to change it and make it like this, right? I was a big Diablo 2 fan. <laughs> I was like, all the things that I hate about that game are fixed in this one, right? So I was like... <laughs> The fact that ArenaNet was like so um, innovative in that sense yeah. were the things that drew me to it because it was like things are different in this game as opposed to
2: every other. Right, game. right, right. And we're definitely going to continue with that tradition for Guild Wars Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let's face it, this is an incredibly crowded marketplace at this point. Yeah, and you do not, you cannot possibly win by just copying. Yeah. I think you've seen lots of cases where you know people who had great intellectual property their game design just kind of followed what was already out there and you know they just they just haven't broken through they, you know and, and really with Guild Wars 2 this is this is the masterpiece for ArenaNet and we're not going to settle for just breaking in we want to blow the doors off yeah that's yeah. good so all of the
3: Guild Wars fans out there can expect more of just new Ideas. We're not going to get a basic MMO where it's just like any other no, WoW. Absolutely you know? not.
2: The trick, the trick with Guild Wars Two is we're going back to the essence of what made us create Guild Wars in the first place. You know, action-oriented combat, anti-grind, great storytelling. But and we're not going to move away from that. We want to keep all that stuff that people love about Guild Wars. Yeah. But really expand upon that because we, you know, we're very responsive. We listen to our fans, and we know what they didn't like. We know what Guild Wars players like the fact that people couldn't jump. Yes. The fact that you know there were invisible walls, were, and of course we blew that wide open. You know, in the in the video we demonstrate that you know there's jumping. You see, there's there's a scene where people are jumping from ship to ship, and then we also demonstrate we have underwater areas. So you're going to have fully explorable underwater areas. Um, that's just the beginning, obviously, and we're going to. We're gonna really push things and redefine what it, what people, not just Guild Wars fans, but all
5: MMO fans, should expect from an
4: MMO.
5: Yeah, one thing that uh, Mike O'Brien refers to it is joy of movement. Because, uh-huh. Again, we take what we what we got feedback that didn't work as well in Guild Wars One. You know that you had invisible walls, a, a small you need you know a, a handicap ramps to get get a, get a, a right. staircase that sort of thing and basically change it so we can basically get that full movement. So we're jumping, and we're falling, and we're diving, and we're swimming, and we're all, you know, and this opens up, a, it changes design. We can't give you a linear linear design. We have to open it up to a more sandbox design, where there's a lot going on all at once, where there's a lot of opportunities. Yeah.
3: Now you're, you're saying we want to go more, um, You of course want to be anti-grind.
5: Right. Um,
3: later on in, Mostly I would say in, like, Eye of the North, there's a lot of, like, the getting faction stuff is really quite grindy in order to just get your skills to be, uh, competitive level. Um, of course it's only PvE, right? But, previous to that point, all of your skills, except for, there was a couple of Nightfall ones, Lightbringer and something else, all that before, once you obtained the skill, you were on the same playing level as everybody else. Um, what, uh prompted you to decide to move into something where you
5: had to do a bunch of repetitive actions in order to have a better skill? I, 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 don't know, I don't know if I can address that from a mechanic standpoint, especially for Eye of the North, but do you want to take a shot at it? Well,
2: yeah, I mean, the, here's the one thing is that the game was originally not designed to go past the level cap. Yeah. But yeah, right. that's the thing is that fans constantly asked us, how... It was interesting because on the one hand, people loved the fact that you didn't have to grind all the way up to a really high number, and then you know it was capped at twenty. And yet, they had this love-hate relationship with it because people would always ask, campaign to campaign, the expansion, hey, are you raising the level cap with this game? And so people really, people really wanted ways to progress in the game past the pass level cap. And because we we did not design the game so that we could raise level cap, those, you know, those pass, the, you know, those skill paths and title tracks and things like that, that was one of the ways we tried to address that, that need.
5: Um, now, we're definitely... And that was more of an experiment type of thing where we are seeing how that worked out. And the, the, my definition of grind is always repetitive action that you don't want to do. Right. If you want to be doing, I, I, I play, and I sometimes it's a lunchtime thing for me where I just get on and I play a little while. And I'm not, not questing, I'm not doing PvP, I am just, you know, going because it's a bit of a bit of a, a lunchtime thing. It's a very low-key type of thing for me. So I never think of that as grind. But yes, sure. if I'm going toward a goal and I have to get Erica through it, then it becomes grindy for me. Because right. I, I must do this in order to get here.
3: It's Um, interesting too because every person defines grind as different because each person enjoys doing different things. Got
5: it.
4: I
3: mean like, I have a couple friends who are just, they absolutely love solo farming. And that's what they love doing. And they could spend hours and hours and hours doing that. And some people would think, oh, that's... the
5: definition of grind.
3: Some people would think, oh, you're killing the same mob over and over again. (laughs) Isn't that terribly grindy? And they're like, no, we love it, right? (laughs)
5: Uh, one, one argument I saw was basically we want to, to make sure you, uh, you had to be on a certain level to get into this area, and therefore you know before there was win, so they were so they had to go and kill mobs, and they go oh well that's grind, you know because right. but no it's, we don't want you to get into this area and die immediately. Right. So. Yeah, but you're right, different definitions for different right. people depending on play style, and actually that's important for Guild Wars two in general game philosophy because people approach MMOs differently. Yeah. People who prefer soloing. I've talked to people who do nothing but guild, who basically prefer PVP, uh, structured PVP, casual PVP. They're there for the story. They want to, you know, read every text box and click on everything to see if it's got some new as far as the world. Yep. Those who just want to go through the laundry list. I'm here to, you know, kill stuff and take its treasure. Uh-huh. So yep. all of those are flavors of player, and we're yeah. trying we're trying to deal with all of them. Right and then that's the other thing with Guild Wars Two. I mean,
2: in Guild Wars. We wanted to enable you to play through the game any style you want. Yes. And that is still consistent in Guild Wars 2. People often ask us, is Guild Wars 2 going to be solo?" And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, but yeah, we want to be able to cater to those different styles of play they are like across the entire spectrum. I And mean, one of the things that we've seen in Guild Wars, um, and I think you see it in other MMOs now, is the rise of the micro guild. I mean, it used to be a yes. guild had to be you know, 30, 40, 50, oh, right. 80 to 100 people for it to be make any real progress hit a at, at, at the end game. You know what, I, as, as, as MMOs go more and more across, that is just not a practical way to manage your, your community, and more and more you see people like, our guild is five, ten people that we know from work, or that we're yeah. families with, and you know what, that is that's is a very viable way to play through it, our games.
5: Most of my guilds I know in real life, yep. you know, and that's where it starts. Yeah. actually, like, you know, gaming groups, that basically they're into an MMO, and I... Start playing the m and I know them. So, it, it, so there's the outside social aspect for. It. Yeah. So I actually met somebody I was I was uh, doing a lot of uh, team up with in the City of Heroes, and it was very much like, uh, oh yeah, uh, hi, good to meet you, and everything. And by oh, the way, he's Lothar. Oh, Lothar, yeah. I'm Spring Hill Jake. We were just hanging out. You know, <laughs> and suddenly the connection was there because we had, you know, we had, we had played virtually together and never met in real life.
3: You knew each other by we that point. We knew each other. <laughs> we, we,
5: we fought, we fought, you know, evil, evil empires together. So we're cool, you know. Yeah.
3: Actually, I um, met my
5: husband in Gilmore's. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's always great to hear. I, 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 I'm older, but my wife and I got together playing d and D. See, there back in, go. No, back in the old, old days. And I met mine playing astronauts phone, so... Uh-huh. <laughs> okay.
2: That's a, not as old as his, but older than Guild Wars. I feel like a generation thing going on here. <laughs>
5: cool. So, how has uh, working on
3: Guild Wars 2 been uh, different for you than working on Guild Wars 1?
2: That's really
5: for you, because I didn't work too much on Guild Wars. No. Wow. I'd say, literally, it's a bigger toolbox to play with. Um, or I came on for Nightfall and Eye of the North, and we had our storytelling mechanism in place at that point. This is how we do it, and based on the question of how we expand it and how we utilize it to its fullest. With uh, Guild Wars 2, we have many tools available for storytelling, and we're telling story on many levels. We've got the uh, the story of the world, which I, I compared to World War 2, going all the way down so what is the story of you which is the soldier on omaha beach mm-hmm. you know it, it basically in the whole spectrum and so when we look at these tools uh how we tell the story has a wider uh, more paintbrushes, more paints to play with as far as being able to able to tell it and you know uh, be able to kind of, kind of put more here kind of put character development here how does this fill fit in with the entire arc of, of the story so all of this has a lot more potential, but a lot more responsibility as well. There, there's no way of, you know, of dodging it as we go through events and different types of uh, adventures and different types of instances to put it all together. So yeah. I'd say that's the biggest difference. We also have, you know, uh, we've always had beautiful, beautiful art. And now with the engine, we're finally being able to throw it into the game yeah. so we Inspiration art, and then we think, Yeah, if we want to put something like that in the game, we have to shrink it, and we have to yeah. use the poly count, and we have to round it out. You know, and there are always compromises with what we're doing with particulate counts and everything. Uh, we are um, particulate counts and shading and everything. We're now getting that, you know, Daniel Dossier art more in the game itself, and it's just blowing people away. Yeah,
3: so
4: with all these new
5: tools, yes.
3: Is it harder to develop things for Guild Wars 2, or is it easier? Yes.
5: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's both. Yes, some parts are much easier, uh-huh. some points parts are more challenging. Cause is that because like
2: more things could go wrong, or is it... Um, it's not really that actually, that's It's that's also a big. volume thing. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's easier to do individual things faster and easier than it was before, but the expectation, especially with these large, persistent areas, Right. Because you have to do a lot more.
5: When we yeah. had instance areas, we had much more of a linear progression we could make. If right. we have a persistent area, we have a lot more uh, territory to cover. If we go underwater, oh my god, that opens up three-dimensional space for us. Yeah. You know, so suddenly it's more difficult because there's more to be done, you know, and more to fit in. And, okay are we are we putting too much in this area are we putting not enough how do we how do we deal with this is the store is their story in here what kind of story it affect? so having more tools we're putting more in and that makes it more difficult to be honest with you. and but it also uh our tools we built have made it easier to put things in and see how they work And then fine tune them. And then test
3: them after that. Yes,
5: exactly. So in house stuff that you are not seeing, it is an easier process.
3: Yeah, but like, I guess you have to worry about more about balancing each area because before you could have, if you had like you know two or three quests active in one area, you could like make it easier by just killing a couple of those quests and making less things around. Right. But you can't do that if you have a persistent world where stuff just. (laughs)
5: So going, out, going yeah. on entirely and balance is gonna be one of our one of our challenges as well as uh, in our playtest we've had uh, you know everybody gets online, what conditions are we are we simulating? Is this gonna be the same as if we just have five people in an area, you know, as opposed to half the company in the area. So it, it creates a lot of, and how do we balance it? Do we add more creatures? Do we make the creatures tougher? Those are all mechanics questions that we're answering now in play test as we go forward and I realize I'm, I'm wandering perilously close into that territory, so... Yeah.
2: that's okay, please,
5: continue. No, there. no, 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 no. <laughs> have another drink! <laughs> um, he's, got, he's got an electroshock collar <laughs> on cool. the if I, if I go too far he hits the button and I get 2,000 volts. Yeah. He's well trained. Yes.
2: <laughs> I do have a random
3: question someone asked me to uh, ask of you. Is what do you think of the ION promotion?
2: Which one?
3: The uh, one where you purchase Ion and then get in-game in Guild name. Wars wings. Oh, okay.
2: Well, not fun. that's probably fair for me to ask. Yeah, answer. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think it was a it was an interesting request from you know to us. You you know and said, hey, do you think there would be Guild Wars customers who'd be interested in checking out Ion? And we're like, you know what? I, I played a lot of Iron personally and I was like you know what they very well could be and because it's you know it's a great looking game uh, it's got some really cool du- you know combat mechanics and stuff like that and I, I certainly enjoyed it so, so yeah let's let's see what we can do we come up with something that might be kind of cool to put in game um, and that might be attractive but obviously not game changing right and so we actually went to the live team and brainstormed like what would be a cool idea and we're like you know what what is the most definitive thing about it it's the wings and we were just like all right let's see what we can do with the you know ion you know an emote in game that kind of displays the wings so you know that's what we do we said, hey ion if you guys want a promotion here's here's what we do for you here's the, and they were like yeah that sounds really cool
5: so it didn't come in they did not say give us wings they basically right. say what can you do and we said this would work for us and our... you came yeah. up with that okay that's cool i
2: mean doesn't change the game in any way. No, it, it's purely a vanity kind of aesthetic
3: thing. Yeah. When I first heard about it, I was thinking, oh, that's really lame. They're just using Guild Wars players to, like, boost their sales of something else. <laughs> but then, on the other hand, I was thinking, that's quite flattering to Guild Wars, that they would want to do a cross-promotion like that.
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm like, I understand. Like, they're, they, we've, got, we've got a, a, a huge base of, of players who love our game, and, but it's something that you have to do very carefully. You know, you can't... Yeah. We would never, like, want to, you know, obviously nothing game-changing. It was just purely about anything. And, we're, and then again, we we also had to say, and it has to be something that is that actually is, is key to ION. Because if, if it were something that was very, very focused on Guild Wars, people okay. would be like, well, I have to have that. It's it, it's Guild Wars lore. Yeah. So we had to do it something that was key to eye on. Yeah, something that had nothing to do with Guild Wars. Really? Yeah, yeah.
3: That's cool, though. I, I just go for the um, use a Paragon skill.
2: <laughs> and that was the other thing. Is like If people really, really want wins and they don't want to play
5: ION, let them roll a Paragon. <laughs> exactly. You don't even have to roll a Paragon. You just have to switch your secondary. <laughs> uh,
3: so that's cool. Um, so you wouldn't know anything about how that promotion specifically works. Someone was saying that they had um, purchased ION from the online store, and the promotion didn't work for them. It didn't activate on their donor's account. They said that
2: they had to get it from a brick and mortar for some reason. Do you know anything about that? I'm aware of the... We are aware of the issue, and we have communicated it back to the ION team, and we've definitely been advising the ION team on how to address that, but in the end, it's their promotion. We just provided the cool tie-in, and said, you guys guys run with this, so... You know, I, I know that they've been listening to our feedback, I can't say whether, you know, whether it'll be addressed directly in the near future. Okay.
3: Yeah. Put them in the right direction and say, please make our fans happy. <laughs> so, when um, players have an issue with something, which happens about every five seconds, um, how much do you um, factor in what the players are saying about something, and then you start looking at, okay, this thing actually needs to be changed? Well, I mean like when it I don't know, when it comes to skill balancing or anything.
5: We hit a critical mass, I think is the question, yeah. So we actually actually listen to all uh, we're 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 fans ourselves. We pay attention to the, the various forms that we're you know, we're we're part of. Right. So we're very aware of, you know, when there when there is problems and literally, you know, often changes come out of things that we're looking at as well. So yeah. The other thing I wanted to add is that I mean,
2: really, Regina and Martin, for example, yes. like they're they're act, active managers of our community, yes. And we do rely on them heavily um, for escalating things like that, as well as you know, Lindsay. She, especially like on the live game, she's in, in there all the time, and she has a radar and her antenna up to see hey, what are what are really the, the hot items that are that are not getting resolved on their own that we need to maybe intervene on. Right. Yeah.
3: So you, look, you rely
2: on them to
3: find out what's something that actually does seem like to be a real issue. And then they
2: bring it to your attention. Well, I mean, a lot of them, they they fix it amongst themselves. Like, oh. the live team is completely yeah. self-sufficient. Okay. They don't have to come to us to, I, to make
5: a call and say, Hey, you know what? This is affecting the live game. Yeah. Well, and from a lore standpoint, Lindsay does, whenever they're adding stuff, it always goes past me as well, just for a set of eyes on it, make sure we're, we're cool, and make sure that we know how we're advancing the story. And that's going to be more critical as we get as two launches, yes. because we're going to have stuff that's going to basically, the changes they make in one will affect, you know, that's part of our history now, okay? How do we, how does, how does it work with it? And he's, We've been going back and forth about you know, okay, if we make a change here, this is how it affects uh, something else. Yeah. And we use a lot of it as you know, fodder. Again, the idea of this is ground stuff that we can come back to and say, ooh, this is, we can use this as a hint for something we're doing in the future. Yeah. So, we
3: used to wander around maybe like the desert and see the little bones and be like try to decipher what those things mean, right? Yes. <laughs> Just think apart anything to find and see, oh, is this gonna be a hint about the next uh, the next chapter that comes
5: out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, you know, yeah. and it's it's part it's like it's risk for our milk. So the lore forms pay a lot of attention by the same token. The lore forms love Versat. And I have got that question several times this weekend. And Lindsay is a big Versat uh, fan. So I hear about this a lot as well. So we know where where they're going. You know, we don't know we're not going to reveal immediately, but we're, we have a long-term plan for them as well. That's cool. Yeah, I heard a question about, um,
3: are we going to see the Merced again? Are we going to see the Seer again? Uh, and the... Awesome. It was all those things, so it was like, maybe? Yeah.
5: <laughs> and it's a thing that if you asked me the question, you know, uh, six months ago, I would have given you one answer. If you asked three months ago, I would have given you a different answer. I would give you a different answer again today because we are, we're growing our story. Yeah. And I, one thing I love about our lore is it creates this great potential of saying, oh, we can use that. You know, oh, we can, you know, that that supports our argument here. So, yeah, yeah. So I, um... It's good
3: to hear the what region we're going to be in. Because I'm a I'm a huge prophecies fan.
5: Right. Absolutely love prophecies. That's the home territory, so...
3: Um, and I asked at an uh, art panel if we were going to see Ascalon again. And they, they all laugh. kind of
5: went, Are we allowed to talk about that? Are we allowed to talk <laughs> about that? Yeah, we are. are,
2: you, are you yeah, gonna, let's tell them just what, just have, just, tell just, what happened to Ascalon. It's
5: in the, ba- it's in, it's in, it's in the art book. Uh, the 1. <laughs> the oh, bastards. <laughs> Um, as a result of the events in proxy's eye of the north the we hinted in eye of the north of a revolution coming uh, prior Piershot basically said you know, I'm not going to be uh, be a hero you know revolutions each they are heroes his granddaughter however is a hero uh-huh. and the changes do come to the charm remember I told you why are there females why do we suddenly see female charm right one of the reasons is that there is I'm gonna remember, remember what I've said so uh come comes back and gets me. Um, the char were run by a cast of shamans. Uh-huh. The at the end of Eye of the North, the char began to throw off their gods. In fact, they become you know militant atheists. You know how, how you know if you rely on gods, you're not strong in your in your own right. It makes you weak. And basically there was this revolution that overthrew the Shaman Cast, the Gold Legion, the Flame Legion. And the, basically as a result, the Char gained the strength they needed to basically complete the uh, conquest of almost all of Ascalon. Now that conquest comes at a big price, and they still have to deal with the ghosts of Ascalon that are right. haunting them years afterwards. Wow, it, that's a big dollop of lore right there. And I think almost all of it I've said before. So.
1: Oh my god. So, yes. <laughs> I'm like,
5: woo. Yeah. Fangirling here, I'm like, oh my god, that's so awesome. So, in part of the story, I, I'm going to do a blatant plug here. Um, we're doing a series of novels by different uh, authors. Right. The first one is by Matt Corbeck. It's The Fall of Ascalon. And it is about the coming to terms and the truce between the humans and the Char. At the beginning of Guild Wars Two, they are not at war. We have two hundred and fifty years of uh, um, two hundred and fifty years of uh, um, sorry warfare, and it's coming to coming to uh, conclusion there. And the question of how it happens and what happens in between is part of that story and one of the stories that would be told there would be the would be the story of the revolution. And that would be something I would not put into the game itself, because big blocks of text and, you know, how does it function. But within a novel framework, it's ideal because we can take the time and we can tell that story. Yeah. And Matt's done a very good job with it, so. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good book.
3: Okay. Well, I think uh, we're running out of time, but uh, <laughs> i ask you one very important question.
2: Uh, What's Gail Graven up to? uh, Gail's actually uh, part (laughs) of our, she's our support liaison. So obviously, you know, one of Gail's great strengths for our is how much she cares for the the players. Uh And so she acts as the liaison with all the the GM, the sys the billing people, to make sure that if there are any ongoing, you know, billing issues, you know uh, mass hackings or anything like that you know customer issues um that are happening at a large scale she's pulling together you know all the different threads from all the different groups and escalating up to arena network so it's a perfect role for her yeah she's just doing it more behind the scenes than she used to that's cool all the players love her yeah. <laughs> all
3: right thank you very much jeff thank you and chris yeah, thank you thank you so much
4: Just